him fit my own ideas. I tried to make him fit into my thoughts. And I try to make God fit into my philosophies. Now, I'm not the only one that does this. Other people do that too. They believe in God as they define God. Uh, so, in other words, God is who they say that God is, as they define him, as they see him. You hear phrases like this. We use these all the time. I refuse to believe in a God that would allow undeserved pain and suffering in the world. We hear people say that. Uh, we would say things like, what kind of God would allow innocent children to suffer? We say things like, what kind of God would allow evil to affect so many different people? We say things like, why or, or what kind of God would allow bad things to happen to good people? And we, we don't stop there with defining God. We also define who Jesus is. We say things like, well, Jesus was a good man. That's who he was. Or we say things like, well, Jesus was a good teacher and a holy man, a spiritual guide, uh, an example for us. Someone whose life, a good teacher, a good holy man, whose life was taken from him. We may see things like that and define Jesus that way. Many people would say this. They would say Jesus is God's son. And Jesus is full of wisdom and power, and Jesus is even worthy to be worshipped, and he's worthy to follow as an example. They might say those things, and then at the same time completely dethrone Jesus. We might say that Jesus even died for the sins of the world. And you must submit to Jesus, and we'll say things like this, and be baptized. Or you must submit to Jesus and live a good life. Or you must submit to Jesus and follow God's laws. And we say, we submit to Jesus and then you have to do this as well. You see, we dethrone Jesus by saying that he's part of of God's salvation. He's a big part and, and a very important part, but there are other parts too. You got to get baptized or you have to live right. You have to do right. You see, then Christ is not enough for salvation. He's a big part of salvation and you can't do it without him, but he's not enough what he did in that scenario was not enough. You have to add something to it. And then when we do that, we dethrone Jesus. There are other ways we dethrone Jesus. We can dethrone Jesus with our lives, the way we live. We can say that we're a Christian, but then we don't actually follow Jesus. In fact, we ignore him most of the day, most of the week, maybe even most of the year. We don't submit to him at all. We, we pick and choose the things that we choose to follow about Jesus. We just kind of pick and choose. I'm going to do that and that, but I'm not going to do that. Because after all, if I did that, that one's going to cost too much. You see, we dethrone Jesus. We can dethrone Jesus even with our words that we use. We, we say he is our Savior, but then we call out his name in a cuss word, or we just use his name when any other word might do. Interesting. We dethrone Jesus. We make him less important the way we speak and the way we talk. We dethrone Jesus. We don't use his name with respect and with honor. We also dethrone Jesus with religion. We can dethrone Jesus in Christianity, but you know, there are many other religions outside of Christianity that may wear the, the label of Christian, but they're not Christian. We can dethrone Jesus with the Book of Mormon. We can dethrone Jesus with the teachings and the philosophies of Jehovah's Witness. There are many, many ways we dethrone Jesus, make him less than who he tells us he is. You see, all of these things are ways that we dethrone Jesus, and most of those originate right here 
in our own minds, our own human reasoning. Now, where we're going to pick up the scripture this morning, the same thing was happening. Let me give you the date here. This is 30 years after Jesus died. After he died, and then three days later he rose again, and he went to be the, with the Father in heaven. This is 30 years after that had happened. So not long, it doesn't seem. Almost one generation, 30 years after. Now, while Jesus was here, Jesus, who is God, he took his followers, he took his followers and he lived with them, he taught them for three years, intense teaching for three years. And he taught them while he was on the go, because actually he was just on a three-year journey toward the cross. And he taught them on the go, and he told them, you know, listen guys, I'm going to be going away. And not long, I won't be here. I'm going to be going away. But he said, I'm going to send you God's spirit, not just to be near you, not to be around you, but actually I'm going to send God's spirit to live inside of you. Those of you who follow me, he's going to live in you and through you. And he will be your personal teacher, your personal guide that is God himself. It's as if God said, if you are my follower, I'm going to be taking my operating system, the operating system of God, and I'm going to be taking out your operating system, and I'm going to replace it with mine a brand new operating system for your life. You see, we all are just hardware. That's all we are. Hard. This physical body is just hardware. We are here for a short amount of time. And God has placed in you his follower. You are born with one operating system. And when you become his, he takes that operating system out and he replaces it with his operating system. Now, this is just 30 years after God sent his spirit to live inside the believers. Now, something has happened in that 30 years. Something has happened to corrupt their operating system. They started to believe some things that weren't true. They started to teach some things that weren't true. And these things they were teaching had little seeds of truth, little pieces of truth, but they weren't the full truth. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus is God. And as God's sinless son who died for the sins of the world, and he rose again in three days, that's what the Bible tells us very clearly. Now, 30 years after this happened, just 30 years, there were some people that began teaching. They said, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need the Old Testament laws. You need Jesus, but you need the Old Testament laws. And some of them said, yes, and you even need to celebrate all of the Jewish ceremonies throughout the year. They were teaching that some people among them had some, some special knowledge that no one else had. They had some special knowledge because they had experienced some kind of mystical thing and these people had special connections with God that nobody else had. That's what they were teaching as well. They also began to teach that it was a good idea. Yes, you need to worship God, but you should also worship his messengers called angels. You need to worship them as well. They also began to teach that Jesus, some of, some of them taught this, Jesus really wasn't God. He was just a sinless man, simply a man. Now, all of those things that they were beginning to teach from this new corrupted operating system that was within them. They were beginning to teach that. These are things that we could even hear today. And they, it's like, yeah, that kind of sounds familiar. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, I, I have heard that. 
So now, just 30 years after Jesus had died and he rose again and he was with the Father in heaven, 30 years later, after he had sent the Spirit to live within them, after he had given them God's operating system and he put it into their life, something happened, it got corrupted, and now in this moment, God sends in his IT guy. God gets in touch with his geek squad and he sends in Paul to kind of get this fixed and put it back in order. And he tells Paul, listen, Paul, I need you to send in a new firmware. They need an upgrade in what's happening because something's corrupted in the operating system. And we need to protect them against uh, viruses that are coming in. We need to protect them against this malware, against adware. We've got, we've got to give them an upgrade. And Paul goes to work. And he sends, he writes, and he sends a letter. And this is a letter he's sending to people he has never met. He doesn't know these people. Paul did not start this church where he sends this letter. Now, here's an interesting note. As Paul wrote this letter, Paul himself is in prison. Paul, one of the most dedicated, one of the most amazing Christ followers to have ever lived, he is sitting in prison. And do not for a moment think that a call to follow Christ means that your life is going to work out the way you want it to work out, because that's not true. Do not think for a moment that God wants you to prosper financially. That's not part of the package. No matter what you may hear on TV or read on Facebook, that's if you forward it and type amen, it's not part of the package. Paul is sitting in prison, one of the most amazing Christ followers to have ever lived, and Paul writes this letter and sends them this new firmware, this upgrade to their operating system that's been corrected, I mean, that's been corrupted. And it's as if he's saying, listen, guys, listen, I need you, please, to download this. And here's where he gets started. Paul starts off Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking starting with verse 29, and then we're going to work our way all the way through this chapter. Verse 9 out of Colossians chapter 1. Paul says this, so we have not stopped praying for you. Again, he's talking to people he doesn't know. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. In other words, listen, guys, I know I don't know you, but we trust God is going to give you exactly what you need. If you will please stay connected to the right source. Please stay connected to him, to his thoughts, and please stay connected to his words. Paul goes on. He says, and he it's speaking of what God's going to do, give you complete knowledge of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, this thing that you need, it only comes from God. You are not going to figure it out. You're not going to reason it out. You're not going to be able to read a book and figure out God and his philosophies of life. What you need can only come from God. And listen, we have detected some problems, <laughs> Paul is saying. Verse 10. Then, so if you do this, if God answers this prayer, and he gives you this information and his knowledge, his wisdom, verse 10, then... The way you live will honor and please the Lord. And he said, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Paul is saying, if you guys will download this and do this, then God, the result is going to be obvious. I'm going to be able to see it. The people around you are going to be able to see it. Your operating system will be upgraded and your life, as a result, will produce the correct kind of fruit. In other words, the correct kinds of things will come out of your life. When you get angry, the correct responses will come out of your mouth and out of your actions. When you get frustrated, the right things are going to happen. Even when you're in bad circumstances, like I'm sitting here in prison, Paul would say, the right things are still going to come out of your life. 
He says, if you'll do this, if you're following. He goes on, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. He's saying, listen, guys, you, you don't fully know him right now. You, you must pursue him every day and know him a little better every day, day after day, day after day. You see, this new operating system, it's as if Paul is saying this, this new operating system that we're, you're giving you, that we're going to upgrade your firmware here, this new thing, it's going to get you started. And here's that information that God died and he rose again three days later for you. But you can't stop there with that information. You can't stop there. You're going to have to let it grow. And here's how it happens. As you know him a little better and a little better each day. Not just on Sundays. A little bit each day. Verse 11, he said, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. And boy, don't we need it. Absolutely we do. He says, may you be filled with joy. And who is this? Paul sitting where? In prison. And he said, even in the midst of horrible circumstances, somehow if you do this, you can find joy even when you're surrounded by horrible things. Interesting. And then verse 12, always thanking the Father. Mm, good news. He has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And here's what he's saying. Your operating system that you were born with, it's all wrong. In fact, he said it's leading to death. It's leading to separation from God for eternity. That's the operating system you were born with. But he said he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And he goes on, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14, who purchased our freedom, speaking of Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So he's saying, the operating system you were born with, it's corrupted. It's leading to death, destruction, an eternity away from Christ. But he said, but for those who submit to Jesus, God places this new operating system within you. Now the folks that he's talking to, they had this new operating system, but now they've allowed it to be corrupted. They got some bad code in their mind, and it was infecting them with errors. I don't know if you've ever, ever started running into errors on your computer, but if you're like me, there's nothing I can do to fix it. Once it starts happening, it's like, what, what do I do? What, what does all this mean? I have no idea. Paul says, I know what it means. We're going to fix it. We're going to upgrade it. So it's as if he's saying, stop right where you are. Don't hit another key on your computer of life. Just stop. Don't make another decision at this moment right now until we get this new operating system upgraded and get the corrupted files out. Don't do anything. Just stop. Download this. And then he gives them this new operating system. He says, put this in to your life, to your mind. This is it. He says, this is the truth about who Jesus is. He's saying, I need you to forget what you have been taught about what other people think, about what you have decided with your own philosophies. He said, stop. Let's go to Jesus himself. Let's find out who Jesus really is. Download this, is what Paul is saying to us today. Verse 15, Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. 
So no matter what we say, God is, God is this, or God is that, or God is like this, or God is like that, or I can't imagine a God who would do this, or who would do that. He says, forget all that. Here's who Jesus is. Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. He, God is not who you or Harley decides that he is. That's not who God is. That's just who you think he is and who Harley thinks he is. That's not who God is. He says, if you want to get an idea of what God is like, just simply look at Jesus. I mean, just look at Jesus. Because Jesus, Paul is saying, Jesus is God. You see, you and me, we were created. God was not created. He just always has been. Jesus, he said, is God. Jesus is God who chose to leave. I point up just because it's easier. He chose to leave heaven, wherever that might be. He chose to leave heaven and leave the luxuries of heaven. The perfection of heaven. And he chose to put on this limited flesh and bone and blood and cells and tissue of man. God chose to put on this and walk among us here on this earth to live among us. You want to know God, Paul is saying? You want to know God, who God is, what He's like? He said, look at Jesus. Because that's God. Then he says, now, put that in your operating... Now, download this. He goes on. He says, He, speaking of Jesus... He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Paul is saying, you have just been, he's saying some of you have just been thinking that Jesus was a good man, just a good man. No, 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 Paul says, no, he is fully God. He's not part of this created world. He existed before anything was created. You see, God already knew the plan because he's outside of time. He already knew the plan that he one day, this was before creation, that one day he would send himself to this earth as Jesus. And the earth wasn't yet created, but he knew it was coming. He would send himself to this earth as Jesus. He said, Jesus is God. God, who is here before anything was created. Now this, I want to tell you, this concept blows my mind. But do I really want a God that my small mind can understand? That wouldn't be much of a God. He goes on. It's as if Paul is saying, now, you got that? Now let's download this. You see, Jesus wasn't just a great teacher, not just a holy man. No, 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 no. He said, download this, verse 16. For through him, that's Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Uh, imagine, that here's what Paul is saying. When we read Genesis and we read that God said, let there be light, that was Jesus. Paul goes on. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, and rulers. Here's what Paul is saying. When God said, remember, you may remember this from the story of Moses and the burning bush. When God said, his name is I am, that was Jesus. When Moses took that message and stood before Pharaoh, who's one of these rulers, Pharaoh had a kingdom at that time in history because Jesus set it up and allowed it. That's what Paul is saying. Interesting. 
So he says, such as things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers, and then he goes on, and authorities in the unseen world. Here's what he's saying. Paul is saying, hey, you've heard of the evil one, Satan, and Satan's angels who fell with him. They're called demons. Yeah, you've heard of them. Paul is saying Jesus created them. Now, he didn't create them evil. They chose that. But Jesus is their creator. He's not an equal with them. Have no mistake. When it comes to Jesus and the evil one, there's only going to be one victor. One of those is created. One is the creator. And the creator is Jesus. So no, he's not just a teacher. Jesus is not just a holy man. Jesus is God, the creator. He said, please, please, please download this into your operating system. Forget what those other people have taught you. This is who Jesus is. Now, some of the folks that he's talking to, they they began to believe that he was a good man who lived a life to set a good example, but his life was tragically taken away from him. And Jesus wasn't powerful enough to stop it. He was robbed of his life. Now, here's Paul. He's continuing. Verse 17. He, that's Jesus, existed before anything else. And he... Jesus holds all creation together. No, 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 no. Jesus is not a weakling whose life was robbed from him. Jesus is all powerful. He holds it all together. He's so powerful that he makes this creation stay together and function as long as he wants it to. Don't be misled by corrupted teaching or corrupted thinking. His life was not taken from him. Jesus chose to lay it down just as he said he was going to do. And then he did it. Now, Jesus is not here right now. Jesus is with his Father in heaven. But Paul is saying, but do you want to see Jesus? And and the time he wrote this, he had been gone for 30 years. Now it's been 2,000 years. He said, do you want to see Jesus today? He says that to them 30 years later. And he says it to you and me right now, 2,000 years later. Do you want to see Jesus today? Because he's not right here. He's with the Father in heaven. But do you want to see him? Do you want to see him? He says, look. God has an answer for that. Download this. Verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Paul is saying, look around you. Just look around you. You are the body of the church. You, right here, 2,000 years later, you and our friends across the street, right over here on the other side of uh, Larry's Pizza, and then right over here, a block over at First Baptist, and then right over here, I mean, all of you, he said, you are the body. You are the body. You are the body right now of Jesus. You, the church. Not the building he's talking about. You, the church, the people, you are the body of Jesus right now. Together, combined, the hands and the feet of Jesus. Loving the world around you. You want to see Jesus today? Look. You're looking at it. It's you. The body of Jesus He is the head, we are the body. Interesting. Jesus, fully God, who put on the flesh, the bone, and the blood of man, 
And this was God's choice himself to pay the sin debt of the entire world. His own personal death shed his blood on the cross. And here's what he says. Paul continues. He is, Jesus is the beginning. Supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first, he says. The first in everything. Paul is saying, listen guys. I mean, listen, Jesus is God who chose to live here, walk around this world, and die, chose to die for you and for me. He should be first. He said, listen, download this. Stop putting other things in front of Jesus. Make him first in everything. Nothing additional. Jesus. And he goes on in verse 19. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Here's what he's saying. God took his whole self and he put on this living flesh body, bones, body. And so Jesus was 100% man. He wasn't like a superman. He was 100% man. He wasn't like from another planet, superman from Krypton or what he he was from heaven. No, he was man. 100% man infused with himself 100% God. Yes, that blows my mind. But do I really want a God that my tiny mind can understand? That would be no big God. That's what he's saying. Jesus was completely man at the same time completely God. He shoved him, his whole self into that living body of a man. And he said it pleased him to lower himself to our level. He's not saying our sinful level. He chose to lower himself to our physical 3D world level. God has more dimensions than we. We have three or four. He's got more. And he chose to lower himself to this limited, painful, stub your toe, ow, that hurt world. He says, download this, verse 20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. And he explains that. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means, here's how, of Christ. And who is Jesus? God himself, God's blood on the cross. That's how he did it. So here's what Paul is saying. It is in Jesus and Jesus alone. So, uh, Paul, do I, but do I have to be baptized to be saved? He said, Jesus alone. But Paul, 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 what about the law? That, are we supposed to be good and do all of these things to earn God's favor? He said, Jesus alone. But Paul, what about these guys who say that they have a special revelation from God that they got in some mysterious mystery way? He said, Jesus alone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus who is God. Nothing but that blood dripping from the cross. That alone. That was enough. That's all it took. All of this that he is saying here, Paul saying, it includes us too. He has not left us out. Jesus did this for you and he did this for me too. Verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You see, he knows us. Paul, writing then, even knows us today, 2,000 years later, he knew that we were God-haters in the way that we lived and the choices we made and the things we said and the way we treated people. He knew we hated God. 
with our lives and with our words. He knew that we ran away from God as far as we could, that we would try to get down the road and forget about God and put Him back away from our lives. I don't want any of that. He knew us. He knew us. He knew that we were God-haters. He goes on, You were His enemies, separated from Him by your Evil thoughts. He's talking about me here. I don't know if he's talking about you. He's talking about me. I was God's enemy separated by, from him by my evil thoughts and my actions. I have a feeling I'm in good company. But he sure is talking about me. But he doesn't leave me hanging there. Because we're going to see the miracle of change. Because dirty, filthy Harley now becomes blameless before Christ. And here's how it works in verse 22. Yet, now he has reconciled you to himself. And here's how he says it again through the death of Christ, who is Jesus, not just a good man, not just a good example, not just a spiritual leader, a holy man. No, Jesus, who is God. This is what he says. Through the death of Christ in his physical body, as a result, he has brought you and he has brought me into his own presence. Now he's talking about people, talking to people who have submitted their lives to God. I can't say that about you because I don't know for you. But I can tell you this, that this enemy of God realized it one day and I stopped. And I said, Jesus, you died on the cross for me and you didn't have to, nor should you have. But you did it. You bought me. And this life, you can have it. I've made a mess of it. You can have it. As a result, here's what Paul is saying. He has brought you, those who have submitted to him, into his own presence. And you are now, you were an enemy of God, a God-hater, but you are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without one single fault. Not because I submitted to him. No, no, no. It's because he died for me. It was his death. His blood. And when I submitted to him, that washed my life. That changed me. Only because of his death can we stand before God blameless. As God looks at us, he does not see our addictions. As God looks at us, he does not see our sin and our rebellion. As God looks at us at this moment, He does not see your fault. Not one single sin. As we stand before God, we will stand before Him one day blameless because Jesus took our blame for those who have submitted to Him. And Paul is saying, please, 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 please. Download this new firmware. Upgrade your thinking. Upgrade your believing. If a teacher or a pastor or a friend or someone who has knocked on your door or some link you have followed on Facebook, if anything is contrary, Paul is saying, to what I have just told you in this passage, if anything is contrary, don't let it corrupt your operating system again. He said, continue to believe this. Stand firm in this truth. Don't drift from this assurance. Verse 23, he says it. 
but you. You must continue to believe this truth. Stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. He's not saying, I'm proclaiming a secret. He's not saying, I have a revelation from God that only I have and nobody else has. He's saying the same thing that I'm teaching all over the world is the same thing he has told all the other apostles, all the other disciples of Jesus, the same thing he's told them to teach. That's what I'm teaching you. Verse 24, he says, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for this body, the church. He's saying, I, I, he's saying, yes, listen, don't, by no means, don't mistake that a call to Jesus means that you're going to have a boatload of money and you're going to be successful in the world's eyes. No, that's not what it means. He said, I'm suffering alongside. While I'm doing this, what God has asked me, I'm suffering. It's not good. It's not pleasant. Verse 25, but God has given me the responsibility of serving his church. And who was the church? The church is the body of Christ. He says, given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message. Not just bits and pieces with a little of my own thoughts mixed in. Not a little bit of truth here, and then also follow this and this and this and this, the things I'm telling. No, he said just God's entire message to you. He's saying, now you think that there's some kind of secret message out there that only a few people have? No, he says, no, 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 no. Here it is, plain and simple. Verse 26. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. Now it has been revealed to God's people. Not one special person. He has himself revealed it, and it's God's plan of salvation. He says, here it is. Don't believe what other people are saying about this secret knowledge or this special information that only a few people have, a few special Jewish followers have. No, 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 no. This is the secret. Are you ready? Here it is. This is it. Verse 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches of the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Not just for a special group of people. It's for you too, me. And we're Gentiles. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. He says the secret is this. Jesus sent his spirit to live in believers. Followers of Jesus. Jewish people and yes, Gentiles as well. Anyone who chooses to submit to him, he sends his spirit to live in them. The secret is this. There's no secret. Jesus will live in the life of anyone who submits to him. Verse 28. So we tell others about Christ. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that God has given us so that so we present so we we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Verse 29, that's why I work and I struggle so hard, depending on Christ's almighty power that works in me. Here's how we end today. Have you submitted to Jesus and allowed Jesus to rescue you from the kingdom of darkness? You do this first by admitting that you've blown it in life. You have lived life your way. God, I admit to you. Is that what you're doing today? I admit to you, God, I have lived life my own way. How do I allow Jesus to rescue me from this kingdom of darkness? How? I admit to him, I have lived life my way, my terms, my decisions. The Bible calls that, he uses a word very specific for it, it calls, calls that sin. And you admit to God, Jesus, that's me. I'm a sinner. 
I believe, though, that, Jesus, you left the amazement of heaven and you put on the flesh and blood of this mankind, human race that you've created. And you, fully man, but yet at the same time fully God, chose to walk to that cross and to die for me. And three days later, you did not stay dead. Otherwise, we have a dead God. Three days later, you defeated death and you rose again and you walked out of that tomb to prove you had the power over all your creation. Jesus, when you died on the cross, you died for me, a sinner. You paid a price for me that I could not pay for myself. You paid that price on the cross for me. And because you did that, I willingly, I gladly give this life to you. I surrender. I'm yours. I was your enemy, and your enemy is surrendering to you completely. I'm yours. This life, you have it. Have you submitted and allowed Jesus to rescue you from the kingdom of darkness? And if you have, or if you did just now, then God and, and only something that God can do replaces your operating system. He takes the old one out that's the enemy of God, and he puts in the new one that's the friend of God. So now, for those of you who have submitted to him, have you learned the truths in the passages that we just read? And I'm going to charge you with this. Don't let anyone, any group, any link you may follow that sounds religious and sounds like they're elevating Jesus to a high place, don't let them tell you something that you did not read in this chapter about Jesus. If they try to tell you something about Jesus and who He really is, or what he's really like, and it doesn't line up with this chapter. Don't listen to it. Don't corrupt the operating system that God has placed in your life. Don't allow someone else to corrupt you by telling you something that's not God's truth about who he is. And the only way to know it is not to try to remember something I've said today. That's not going to help you. The only way for you to know it, in fact, you can forget everything I said today. If you will just simply go to this passage, Colossians chapter 1, where Paul tells you this is who Jesus is. Don't, 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 don't make him less than what I've told you he is. This is who he is. And the only way to know it is to go to that passage, learn that passage. I'm not telling you to memorize it. You can if you want. But learn the details of that passage so you know who Jesus has told you that he is. And then we end with this. Have you tried to dethrone Jesus with your actions? By picking and choosing. Jesus, I'll submit to you here. I'll follow you here. But don't, me don't mess. I, this is my girlfriend. Don't, don't mess. I know you want us to get married. Don't, don't mess with this. This is working out the way I want it to work out. Or Jesus, I'll give you all this and this, but don't mess with my career. Don't touch my career. Jesus, I'll do this and this, but leave my money alone. Don't go to Bank Court South and be talking to the president about my money. Or Jesus, I'll follow you in this. This sounds good, and I'll do this because I agree with this. But I, this other part over here, I'm not going to do that. Have we dethroned Jesus by picking and choosing from God as if he were a buffet? Jesus 
Jesus isn't the cook at Chef Lee's. He's the king, the savior. Have you tried to dethrone Jesus by picking and choosing? I'm going to ask you to devour this passage, Colossians chapter 1. Really, not just even this week, but really for the rest of your life. Because there is not a more complete picture. There are many, many pictures of who Jesus is in God's Word. Many! But there's not one that is more complete than this chapter, Colossians chapter 1, that tells you this is who Jesus is. I'm going to ask you to learn it, to take it in, and don't leave anything out. Paul encourages us, stop believing the word on the street. Stop believing what popular culture tells you to believe about God and Jesus. Because this is who Jesus is. And this is what He did for you. Please, don't make Him less. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us for making you less than who you are. Jesus, forgive me for making you less than who you really are. Jesus, you are God. You are not just like God. You did not just come here to point people to God. Jesus, you are God. And you came here in the flesh and blood of man. And you wore the name Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. And you came because I messed up so bad. I was separated from you. You died for me. So that I would no longer be an enemy of God, but I would now be a friend of God if I would just only submit to you. Thank you for purchasing this heap. Thank you for buying back this wreck that I've made of your creation. And thank you that one day I will stand in your presence holy and blameless, not because of what I've done, but because of what you did for me. Thank you. And now, may we go out from this place after these songs and love the people around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.